WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. A Democrat has thrown her hat in the ring to run for Congress in Michigan's 4th District. Kalamazoo attorney Jessica Swartz is seeking to unseat Congressman Bill Heisinga next year. She tells us that she's from Grand Rapids originally and has spent most of her life in West Michigan. She thinks people are struggling and they're tired of extremism. We need to get in there. We need to bring Congress back to the institution it used to be where we all had the same goal of of moving the country forward instead of the goal that many have of just making it come to a screeching halt. Swartz says that she wants to work with anyone who also has a goal of moving the country forward. I am a problem solver, a hard worker, a pragmatist, and so I want to really go out there, talk to the people, listen to them regardless of what party they affiliate with, and whoever has the best ideas to support Southwest Michigan, that's what I'm going to go with. Swartz went to MSU and then the law school in Washington where she worked for the Veterans Administration as an attorney before coming back to Michigan. Her work in Kalamazoo has been focused on education law and free speech. She says her biggest issues are the economy, the environment, and attacks on women's rights. She'll face Joseph Alfonso in a Democratic primary to take on Heisinga next year. A new report shows only about 27% of first-time community college students in Michigan go on to graduate. Business Leaders for Michigan says its research shows Michigan ranks 49th in the nation for community college completion and 48th for a 10-year enrollment growth. Spokesperson Randy Barris tells us students need more support services as they deal with work and family. The group is calling for a state agency focused on community colleges. This agency has to help identify opportunities and barriers at Michigan's community colleges to drive more collaboration and adoption of best practices. We need to ensure more data collection and transparency. One of the challenges we found when even pulling together the data for our report is that some of it just doesn't exist in any form that is consistent across the state. So we think a state agency could help with that. Governor Gretchen Whitmer recently announced the new Michigan Department of Lifelong Education, Advancement and Potential, which Barris says will help. The office will open in December. Barris also says community colleges need to have better partnerships with employers. She notes Corwell Health works closely with community colleges in several locations around the state, adding there should also be strong transfer partnerships with community colleges and four-year universities. A judge has sentenced a Benton Harbor man who pleaded guilty to second-degree murder to at least 40 years in prison. The Berrien County Prosecutor's Office says 31-year-old Tyrell Taylor shot and killed girlfriend Anisha Triplett last July during an argument in her car, and Taylor took the plea deal in May. Uh, Judge Arthur Cotter sentenced him this week to 40 to 60 years in prison on the murder charge, plus another two years on a felony firearm charge. Congressman Tim Wahlberg has been pressing federal officials on the possible reopening of the Palisades nuclear power plant in Van Buren County. This week, Michael Goff, the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy, testified before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Wahlberg brought up Palisades. A recent study by the University of Michigan found that the premature closure of the Palisades nuclear power plant just north of my district will have an adverse economic impact on the region of more than $250 million annually. As I said before, it will also address the critical needs for baseload generation in our state. Republicans and Democrats came together in Michigan to fund reopening of the plant, and now the decision lies with the DOE. Do you have any updates on those efforts? Goff said he commends the efforts in Michigan to restart Palisades, but it is the first time an effort has been made to restart an already closed nuclear plant. He says the Energy Department is reviewing the proposal. 
Wahlberg asked that no time be wasted. Palisades owner Holtec has requested a $1 billion loan from the Energy Department to restart Palisades. It has the support of state officials, including the governor. There will be a couple of Benton Harbor City Commission seats on the ballots in the August 8th election. Voters in the city will select two commissioners at large. Seeking re-election are Commissioners Edward Isom and Mary Alice Adams. Challenging them are Tyrone Davis, Emma Kennard, and Shaquille Turner. The candidates are running for four-year terms. Also on the ballot, August 8th will be the Lake Michigan College Millage Renewal and a road millage proposal in Chickaming Township. Michigan Works, uh, Barry and Cass, and Van Buren Counties has secured another $1.1 million in grants for Southwest Michigan employers through the state's Going Pro Talent Fund. Michigan Works Business Solutions Director Mark O'Reilly tells us Going Pro enables employers to train workers. This fund really supports the training of new hires, current employees, and apprentices. And so it's used by a lot of employers in the Barry and Cass Van Buren region. And thankfully today we were notified that another 16 employers were awarded $1.1 million, and that will go towards training their workforce over the next 12 months. There, that will help support 600 workers in the region. O'Reilly says each grant is individual to the needs of the employer. Among the recipients are Gast Manufacturing, Griffin Tool, Freedom Finishing, and Compton Incorporated. The average grant is $38,000. O'Reilly says Going Pro has been around for about 10 years, and in an average year, the Michigan Works Barry and Cass Van Buren is able to help around 50 to 60 companies train 1,200 workers through it. And set for August 3rd through August 6th is the Niles Riverfest. Event coordinator T.J. Martin with the Riverfront Optimist Club of Niles tells us it'll have four days packed with music and fun at Riverfront Park downtown. What we have is four days of free concerts of music on the hillside by the amphitheater on the St. Joe River. We have bounce houses, family golf. We have craft vendors. We have food vendors. It's a, it's a community affair. Martin says the Riverfest will include live music all day, with the headliners being Fillmore's Ladder on Saturday and the Santana Project on Saturday. Both are classic rock bands, although the daytime music will feature a wide variety of styles. The Niles Riverfest has been around about 30 years, although it was on a seven-year hiatus until three years ago when they brought it back. It's free to attend, and Martin says his favorite part of the event is to see the smiles on the faces of people who are glad they came. You can find out more at the event's Facebook page. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News and Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dewajak, where furniture shopping is fun. We're learning more about the U.S. service member who is now in North Korean custody after reportedly running across the demilitarized zone that separates South Korea from North Korea. 23-year-old Travis King was supposed to head back to Fort Bliss, Texas to get discharged after spending 47 days in a South Korean prison for getting into an altercation with locals. ABC News has learned that he never made it to the airport, and instead he joined a tour group where he ran over the DMZ. ABC's Karen Travers has the latest from the Biden administration on its actions regarding the situation. The U.S. is still trying to ascertain the whereabouts and well-being of Travis King, the U.S. soldier who crossed into North Korea on Tuesday. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said the U.S. had reached out to South Korea and Sweden to learn more, but said it may take, quote, a little bit of time to gather information. I want to be very clear that uh, the administration has and will uh, continue to actively work actively work to ensure his safety and the return of uh, uh, of private king uh, to us and to the fam to his family obviously Karen Travers ABC News the White House North Korea staying silent about the detention of that American soldier who sprinted across the heavily fortified border 
Some observers say heightened tensions between the two countries make it unlikely he will return anytime soon. Private Travis King bolted into North Korea Tuesday, a day before he was supposed to come back to the U.S. Experts aren't expecting a quick reaction from North Korea. Phoenix is now experiencing its 20th day in a row of temperatures above 110 degrees. It broke the record Tuesday, and now more people have died because of the heat. ABC's Alex Stone has more. Maricopa County is reporting six more heat-related deaths since last week. That means this summer, 18 people have died related to heat in the Phoenix area, as ruled by the medical examiner. And there are 69 more deaths suspected to have been heat-related, but still under investigation The most deaths have been in people over 75 years old. 6% were 5 to 19 years old. About two-thirds of the victims were not homeless. Alex Stone, EBC News. The onslaught of searing temperatures and rising floodwaters is continuing to strike parts of the United States. The National Weather Service says Phoenix broke an all-time record for a warm, low temperature at 97 degrees Fahrenheit this morning. The previous record was 96 degrees in 2003. Meanwhile, weather forecasters describe a life-threatening situation in Kentucky after waves of thunderstorms triggered flash floods. Crews pulled people from homes and vehicles in the communities of Mayfield and Wingo early today. No injuries have been reported, but more rain is forecast for the region, including states around Kentucky near the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. Israeli President Isaac Herzog addressed a joint meeting of Congress today, highlighting the foundations of the U.S.-Israel relationship. Herzog warned Congress about anti-Semitism in its ranks. ABC's Ike Giochi has more. Israeli President Isaac Herzog, whose position is largely ceremonial, told lawmakers at a joint meeting of Congress that he welcomed criticism from Americans, but said it must not cross the line to anti-Semitism. He went on to say that attacking Jewish people anywhere in the world is anti-Semitic. Questioning the Jewish people's right to self-determination is not legitimate diplomacy. It is anti-Semitism. Ike ABC News, Washington. Already facing criminal cases in New York and Florida, former President Donald Trump faces increasing legal peril as investigations into his efforts to cling to power after his election loss appear to be coming to a head. A target letter sent to Trump by special counsel Jack Smith this week suggests Trump may soon be indicted on new federal charges, adding to the remarkable situation of a former president up against possible prison time while trying to reclaim the White House as the frontrunner for the Republican nomination. Trump has denied wrongdoing in all the cases and dismissed the prosecutions as an effort to hurt his 2024 campaign. Texas has built its own version of a border wall in the form of floating barrels and razor wire in the Rio Grande near the town of Eagle Pass. Now pushback against the setup is growing. More from ABC's Alex Stone. Mexico argues the floating barrels and razor wire in the Rio Grande put there by Texas under the guidance of Governor Greg Abbott violate several international water treaties and Mexico wants it all removed immediately. Some U.S. lawmakers have written the Biden administration the argument that the act of repelling a migrant who has stated the intent to seek asylum could be a violation of international and federal law. Texas argues it's necessary to stop the flow of migrants. Alex Stone, EBC News. House Republicans are raising unsubstantiated allegations against President Joe Biden over his family's finances. GOP lawmakers have summoned IRS whistleblowers to testify publicly for the first time about claims the Justice Department improperly interfered with a tax investigation into Biden's son, Hunter. Lawmakers are hearing from two IRS agents assigned to the Hunter-Biden case. Greg Shapley is a supervisory special agent managing large cases for the IRS. The second agent, whose name was withheld in a closed-door interview transcripts released earlier by Republicans and who was referred to by the committee as Whistleblower X, was disclosed at a hearing Wednesday as Joe Ziegler, an IRS agent since 2010. 
The Justice Department has denied the whistleblower's allegations. And the Hollywood writers' strikes are causing some major chaos when it comes to network television schedules. More from ABC's Jason Nathanson. NBC is playing musical chairs because of the writers' and actors' strikes. Law & Order and Law & Order SVU won't premiere this fall, being pushed back to next year. Along with the three Chicago shows, Night Court and the new John Cryer comedy, Extended Family. The gaps will be filled by extra hours of The Voice and a few shows NBC was able to finish, including the second half of the final season of Magnum P.I. CBS made similar moves earlier this week, announcing it'll import Yellowstone over from Paramount Network. And ABC and Fox are going mostly reality-based. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.